In the Bible, I have is deny yourself, take up your cross, promise of persecution, promise of suffering, promise of the fight against discouragement, promise for the fight for joy, promise that it's gonna be difficult, promise that I have to die, that Christ becomes more. It's the promise of, again, this side of heaven, it's gonna to be tough. One of the principles we've thrown down from the first year of this church is this, okay? It's a principle of wisdom. Align your expectations with what the Bible actually teaches. What does the Bible teach? This! It's going to be tough! What we do is we trick ourselves into thinking, oh, it's going to be simple, easy, no problem. And we've just moved out of God's will for our lives because that's not what God says. Hello, friends, and thank you for joining us here today on Living in the Light. We love that you're here and thankful you've tuned us in here today. We are in a series that is closely examining the Lord's message to his people through the prophet Haggai. And I don't know, when you read Haggai, I just, I, loved ones, please don't let these big names like Shealtiel and Jehozadak and Zerubbabel throw you off. This is a hugely important book with a massive and incredible message for us today, especially for those who are battling discouragement. Pastor Robbie's here with me in the studio, and hey, Robbie, our friends get to sink into another phenomenal passage in God's Word, right? They do. Craig, I just love when you kind of do the intros with words like hugely and massive. Seems yeah, I good. make up words to make it fit. <laughs> well, those are real words, but it also captures my attention to say, man, there's something huge and massive about this tiny little book called Haggai, right? And that's the way God's Word works. And you mentioned there at the end, today's passage, all about those who are discouraged. Um, it's amazing. Haggai starts off, and he kind of calls the people back, and the Lord uses that, and the people, they get to work, and they're fired up. This is a lot of our lives. You know, we say, oh, we're excited. We're on a bit of a roll, and then all of a sudden, opposition comes, and then all of a sudden, something happens, and all of a sudden, our sin gets a hold of us, and then we get so discouraged. What do you do when you get to that point? I mean, that, that is basically where life is lived. This is where we find about those who are going to press on in Christ and those who are going to fall away and just become irrelevant. Well, Lord, help us not to be the latter. We want to be the former. We want to be people who understand the power of hope in the midst of discouragement. And I'll say this too before we jump in. Aren't you so glad, loved ones who are listening, that when you are discouraged, the Lord does not leave you? Even if you feel that way, the reality is He has you, He is coming for you, and He has a massive dose of hope. I can say that based on so many years of experiencing, honestly, deep valleys but then knowing God is faithful. He has to be. He can only be that. And we're going to see that represented here today um, in the book of Haggai again. It's like this passage that you may not go to often. You're going to find, we pray, that there's tremendous reason to continue on and have hope. As always, if God uses us in your life, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. It's one of the great things that spurs us on here at Live in the Light. And we pray that God's Spirit, by God's truth, will send you on God's way today and truly in his joy. Amen. Amen. And if you would like to reach out for to us and let us know how God's been working in your life through the message and the ministry of Living the Light, we would love to hear from you. All the details as to how to connect with us will be found at the end of our show today. All right, let's turn to Haggai chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Again, here's Pastor Robbie with today's message, Discouragement or Hope? Morning, church. So glad you're here. Welcome to Hope Bible Church. Let's get our Bibles open. 
to the book of Haggai. Uh, between services, oh, that's all, you guys are so great. I love that. I already got a few hey guys. I was going to say, uh, between services, I went out to the parking lot and I was running out to get something from my car and a car went by and went, hey, hey guy. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Here we go. Hey guy. If you're in, you weren't here last week, you're very confused, but that's okay. You'll catch up later. Um, we're in the book of Haggai, a third to last book in the Old Testament. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. That's how I remember the last four books. And um, you can find yourself there, small book, but big book of change and impact. Our tagline is a call from complacency to conviction, a call from indifference to ignition, ignition. And we're praying the Lord is going to be moving among us. And I just, Lord, come on, Lord, come on, Lord, like move among us, man. Uh, uh, not just with me, I pray with your church and encourage. And even today in this service right now, come on, Lord, fill and God, we need more of you. Uh, we need more of your spirit uh, to move in our midst. On that note, there's a prayer in the back of my Bible um, that I love and pray often. It's there for that reason. It's actually uh, it's a hymn written by Philip Bliss, but it's called My Prayer. I want to put up on the screen for you. Um, I just want to just walk through this slowly. It's really what we're seeking to go for. Um, I've always been encouraged by this. I pray you will too. The first verse says this, uh, more holiness give me more strivings within, more patience and suffering, more sorrow for sin. Yes, Lord. More faith in my Savior, more sense of his care, more joy in his service, more purpose in prayer. Notice more, 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 more. We're not more of ourselves, not more of the world. We need more of the Lord. We need more of him in our lives. The second verse says this, more gratitude give me more trust in the Lord, more zeal for his glory, more hope in his word, more tears for his sorrows, more pain at his grief, more meekness and trial, more praise for relief. It's good. And then verse three, more purity give me, more strength to overcome. I love this line, more freedom from earth stains, more longings for home, amen more fit for the kingdom, more useful I'd be, more blessed and holy. Yes, Lord, more savior like thee. That is what we're praying for now in this series on Haggai. This is what we're asking the Lord to do. Only he can do it, but we need to ask and expect of him. Just to recap where we are in Haggai, in case you're joining us for the first time, but even if you were here last week, just to get on the same page again, the context, the people, um, we're in exile in Babylon, God's people. They have returned from exile now. They are beginning to rebuild the temple. That is found in Ezra chapter three and four. But the opposition rises up to the rebuilding. The work stops. The people get discouraged. The people then move into apathy and complacency. Fast forward 15, 16 years later, Haggai, a prophet, is raised up by the Lord to shake the people from their self-indulgence, and the work begins again. That's chapter one of Haggai. However, what happens is only a few weeks later, God's people once again find themselves discouraged, and this is where we enter into Haggai chapter two. And what we find here, here's our sermon title, we find it's a battle of discouragement versus hope. There's a battle of discouragement versus hope. But God now uses Haggai, we pray this happens today, to bring encouragement to his discouraged people. Now, when we're in God's word, allow me to point out something 
that sometimes we can miss. It's the obvious, but we're often, again, we're gazing so much, again, at the trees that we miss the forest, right? So we want to be close up in God's word, want to step back sometimes and observe what is happening to a greater degree across God's word. And what that is right now, I want you to notice God's people are discouraged yet again. And God encourages them. I want you to think of the totality of Scripture and how often, again, we have exhortations to not give up, to persevere, to fight through discouragement. So let's just step back far enough and recognize this. In the Christian life, to truly follow Christ, ready? Discouragement is normal. Discouragement, you should be ready to fight against discouragement. Here's what also is normal in the Christ follower, again, person life is, listen, there will be a fight for joy on a daily basis. To fight for joy is normal. If you find yourself in that place right now and you are fighting for joy, welcome. Welcome to the calling of the Christian life. Welcome to the reality of this side of heaven. There's another thing I want you to be aware of. When you're truly going to follow Christ, listen, the temptation to give up will be prevalent. Now, I didn't say we give up. I said the temptation to give up will be found upon us on a frequent basis. This is one of the things that God's word is trying to point out to us on a daily basis. So in this North American brand of Christianity, which is so often prevalent and so often false, Often we trick ourselves into thinking life should be easy, life should be smooth, life should go the way I want it to, I won't have trial, I won't have heartache, I won't have suffering, I won't have any difficulty, because if I follow Christ and everything works out, what Bible are you reading? That's not in the Bible I have. In the Bible I have is deny yourself, take up your cross, promise of persecution, promise of suffering, promise of the fight against discouragement, promise for the fight for joy, promise that it's going to be difficult, promise that I have to die, that Christ becomes more. It's the promise of, again, this side of heaven is going to be tough. One of the principles we've thrown down from the first year of this church is this, okay? It's a principle of wisdom. Align your expectations with the Bible actually teaches. What does the Bible teach? This. It's going to be tough. What we do is we trick ourselves into thinking, oh, it's going to be simple, easy, no problem. And we've just moved out of God's will for our lives because that's not what God says. And so here we see again, it's tough. The people are discouraged. Again, we need to expect that, but it's what we do with it. And by the way, this is why this whole point of the reality of what we need from the Lord and each other, that's why this gathering right now here at Hope Bible Church is so critical. That's why we gather as the church. That's why these moments right now are the most sacred of our week. You will not get this in any and this way in any other part of your week to come together, to receive God's word, to encourage each other with song, to pray for one another, to find the community and the exhortation and encouragement and strengthening from fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. That's not happening anywhere else in this way. That's why this has to be the priority. The gathered church, we show up on time. We get our hearts ready. We're eager to be a part of this. We want to serve. We want to encourage other people and love other people because this gathered setting is God's design for the encouragement of his church that we might last in this difficult life because all the promises of perfection are coming in heaven. Not here yet, but one day soon. But for now, we struggle together in the midst of the battle of life with the hope of the return of Jesus Christ. This, this is the opportunity. That's why, again, that's why this is so special. All this right here, man. All this right here. Beautiful. 
powerful and important. Don't forget that. Don't just come here, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, leave, go have lunch. No, 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 no. This is the bride of Christ, the family of God. He died for this church. He married his church. He gave everything for his church. So let's jump into Haggai now. And I want to go point one before I read the text. And so point number one is this. When discouragement closes in, be strong and work. Be strong and work. Why, why? Because God is with you. God is with you. Haggai 2, uh, Haggai 2, verse 1. Here's the introduction to Haggai's third sermon or oracle of this text. Notice, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, that is October 17th, 520 BC. Um, notice this is just like three or four weeks after um, chapter one. The word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now. To Zerubbabel, speak now to Joshua, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people and say, say what? Verse three, who is left among you who saw this house, that's the temple, in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, be strong, O Joshua, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work. For I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. So I want to focus on verse three first. Look at verse three. It's very telling. Three weeks earlier, the people were fearing God, obeying God, and fired up for the work of God. But three weeks later, the people become discouraged by what they see, but listen, really by what they don't see as well. Now, we come to the context of rebuilding the temple. We have to understand there were elders among the Jews. There were elders among the southern nation of Judah who were there to see the previous temple of Solomon in its former glory. Now, to understand Solomon's temple, Solomon's temple was extraordinary. A few facts to help us understand this. Solomon's temple required 180,000 men to build it. Now, just think about that. That's like one and a half times the population of Burlington or the one and a half times the population of Oakville, okay? 180,000 men. It took seven years to complete. Um, its construction consisted of 285 tons of gold. Tons. 625 tons of silver. Tons. And bronze beyond measure. Solomon's temple was magnificent. So, any comparisons that you would make to the present rebuilding compared to of what was would naturally result in some form of disappointment. In fact, Ezra 3 describes some of this. Ezra 3 describes as the foundations were being sent for the new temple, the temple that was being rebuilt, the elders, the priests, and the Levites who had seen the former glory, when they saw the new existing foundations and compared it to what was, they actually began to weep and wail in mourning because they were so filled with disappointment. It also says the younger men that were there that did not see the former temple in its glory, they were filled with shouts of joy and they started shouting with joy and excitement. And the text says that the weeping and the wailing from the older men and the shouts of joy from the younger men, you could not distinguish between the two. There was such a noise and a ruckus. If you look at verse three again, Haggai calling out to the people, they say, who see it as nothing in your eyes. So what's happening here with the elders here and God's people? They are flooded with comparison. 
and they were discouraged by what once was. You know what they were tempted with here? They were tempted with being those people who are all about the good old days. Are you one of those people? Ah, the good old days. Now, now, hey, I'm the first to say I'm thankful for the past. I'm thankful for the victories. I'm thankful for the joys. I love to look back at them fondly, but listen, to be a true Christ follower, right? To only look back and say, oh man, it was so good when. All the good old days. Nothing's any good anymore. Listen, listen, I have to understand, man. We forget what lies behind, but straining forward to what lies ahead. We pursue the upward prize of the call that is found in Christ Jesus, Philippians 3. You can't just be about the good old days and the people here they were. And why were they feeling this way? Well, how could they hope to achieve what once was 180,000 workers and immeasurable wealth? Notice here the two C's that often lead to great discouragement, okay? Notice the two C's of great discouragement. Number one, comparison and drawing conclusions. Be very mindful how the enemy loves to sow seeds of discouragement in our lives. What happens? when we contrast our work with others, when we contrast our lives with others, when we start making comparisons with people, how come I don't have what she has? How come I don't live in the house they have? How come I don't have that job? How come they get this and I don't? How come they have the ministry and I don't? How come that church has this and we don't? How come there? How come the past seems so much better than now? It's amazing to me how often when we compare, I notice when you're comparing, where are you looking? Here. You're always looking here. You're never looking here. It's always focusing on people around us. And what happens is the more you compare to what was, what others have, the less you're looking at Christ. And if you're not looking at Christ, of course you're going to be discouraged because you're focusing on the temporal and the things around you. That's what contrast does or comparison does. Again, the sinful roots of comparison that so often lead to discouragement because our eyes are off Christ and therefore we lack faith. People in Haggai's time, they were saying, well, we cannot build like Solomon, so let us not build at all. See the problem with that? It'll never be what it was, so forget it. I give up. Some of you right now, you're tempted right now. You're here and you're like, no, that's not worth it, man. Why bother? I give up. Can't do it. I can't do it. Never going to be what it once was. Forget it. I give up. It's futile. That, that is stinking thinking. And you got to address that with the word of God right now. And by the way, I wonder who's here right now and you are discouraged. You are discouraged. I love what Psalm 3 says. Psalm 3 says, behold, my God is a shield. Listen, he is the lifter of my head. And I pray so much, man, the Holy Spirit's moving up, up and down each row and each seat. He's coming to you and he's taking your head and he's just, he's, he's, hey, hey, my child, my child, lift your head. Lift your head and look to the Lord. Stop looking down at yourself in the mirror, all the things around you. You look to the Lord and you see the satisfaction that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord, my God, is the lifter of my head. But in the lies of discouragement, enter the truth and the encouragement of God. Look at verse four. Verse four, he says, yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, be strong, Joshua, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, work. Why? For I am with you. See the two commands there? Be strong. Be courageous. Don't give up. Don't stop working for the kingdom. Work, work for him. And why? For I am with you, God says. That's awesome. I am with you. If God is for us, who can be? against us, right? That's the reality. Apply the gospel to, see what God's saying? He's listen, 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 don't give up. Be strong. I am with you. And last time I checked, I am God. 
And last time I checked, I can do all things. And last time I checked, I am sovereign. And last time I checked, no one can defeat me. And last time I checked, I hold the waters in the hollow of my hand. And last time I checked, I measure the span of the universe with my hand like this. Last time I checked, I am absolutely awesome. I am omnipotent and omniscient. And I am able to do whatever I want to do because I am God. Hey, people. Hey, my children. You be strong. You work. You work. Why? Because I'm with you. And if the people see with faith, they're like, yeah, good point, God. I like our chances, right? Hey, people of the gospel, are you alive in the Lord Jesus Christ? God says to you today, are you going to give up? How can you give up? He's with you. He's with us. He can do anything. He's unstoppable. He's absolutely amazing. And all of a sudden, just a little bit of faith fills our hearts. We're like, yeah, God, good point. Why would I give up? I'm not really sure. You're awesome. And you're the one who fills me. That's the reality of what's happening right here. The people will find their encouragement, not in themselves, but in the Lord again, the Lord who is with them. But notice discouragement tempts us to do the opposite. And discouragement, so tired. I get it, trust me, man. I got my bouts of discouragement. I'm so tired. And I don't want to work anymore. I'm tired of working. I'm tired of seeking the Lord's kingdom. I don't have it. I, I just, I'm too beat up. And God's like, oh man, I can do more through you. I can do so much more. Keep looking to me. Keep looking to me. Don't look around. Listen to Satan's lies. Look to me and you will see. Think about it. I, again, I, have, I got a lot of grace for all of this. How many of us look around the world that we live in? The darkness growing. We feel so tired, so exhausted, lacking courage. How many of us see the culture closing in? Opposition increasing. Becoming less motivated to keep going? How many of us trying to lead our families and our children in hostile environments, overwhelmed with the pressures and weariness and weakness? How many of us hear the calling of the Great Commission and we become aware of the billions that are lost and without Christ? And we hear whispers from the enemy saying, it's too much, man. You can't do it. Just give up. It's too big. Your life can't make a difference. Look at you, just one little tiny person. You'll never add up to anything for the kingdom of God. What difference will your life make? Some of us we see, I just saw a wonderful documentary on Billy Graham just this weekend. And you're tempted to watch this documentary and see the mass, I mean, the impact of Billy Graham. How did that even happen? You're trying to be like, well, that won't happen again. Or like, where's the next Billy Graham? Or just like, unbelievable. And you're tempted, don't make your excursion and say, can that happen again? And God's like, yeah, try me, Robbie. You see if you can stop yeah, just, just get, get your eyes off yourself. Look up a little bit and let's see some faith rise and see what I'm able to do. Again, Billy Graham has passed away, okay? Thank the Lord for his life, right? The last time I checked, God's not relying upon any one man, right? God is doing, he's building his church and the gates of hell, again, will not prevail against it. So it's to you and me right now, the Lord says, be strong, be strong. How not in ourselves, in him. Work, not with our own strength, in his spirit, in him, why? Because he is with us. Seek first his kingdom. Work for his kingdom. Why? Why? Again, because I am with you, declares the Lord. Now, some of you may say, well, this is the old covenant. You know, these amazing things happened in the old covenant. We're in the new covenant. Now. Oh, yeah? Let's see what the new covenant says about God being with us. Let's take the greatest commandment, or at least the greatest commission there is in terms of the church. Here's what we often do with the great commission. We book it at 19 and 20. And we just look at it right here. And we're like, I got to go make disciples, man. Good. I got to baptize people, man. I got I to gotta teach everything that Christ taught. I got to do it. I got to try harder. And we go out for a couple of days and we fall on our faces. And we're like, eh, we're lying there on the ground, right? And Jesus is like, oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I gave that command in a context. 
It's called the bookends of the Great Commission. Uh, kind of important. So he starts off with this. And Jesus came and says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Peter's like, how much authority? He's like, all of it. All authority. All the authority in the universe to rise up, to put down, to save, to judge, to grant eternal life, to take it away. The authority over the planets and the stars, the authority over every single human being who's ever lived. The authority of all that we know. Jesus says, all the authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And in that authority, I command you to go. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to help you. I'm going to be with you. So we see the promise of his power. And then at the end of the Great Commission, notice this. We see the promise of his presence. And just in case his disciples are there and their knees are knocking, and like, how are we going to do this? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, by the way, I'm going to be with you. How long, Jesus, Peter says. He doesn't really say that. My paraphrase, okay? How long will you be with me? Always. What does always mean? To the end of the age? What about in 2018? Still with you. What about next week when I don't feel that you're there? I'm still with you. I'm still with you. I am with you always to the end of the age. The promise of the Lord's presence, the promise of the Lord's power to fill and guide and build his church. Again, notice power, presence, promise. Promise. Do we believe it? This, this is where discouragement doesn't stand a chance because the encouragement of the Lord and what he desires to do in us with the power of Christ and his Holy Spirit. That's a great lead into point number two. Point number two is this. When fear calls, let the Holy Spirit answer. Let the Holy Spirit answer. Look at verse five now. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, the same spirit who delivered you from Egypt my spirit remains in your midst. Notice the result. Fear not. Bam. Fear not because my spirit remains in your midst. So whenever I see capital S spirit in the Bible, Holy Spirit, honestly, my eyes light up and my heart becomes expectant. I just love it. Why? Because I love him. Love the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the single greatest game changer. We sang the song today. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Chains are broken, right? Lives are transformed only by the power and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. Reminds me of that song, also that song, Hosanna. Um, when we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. And just in case you didn't hear it again, washed away, the song says. I love it so much. In your presence, all our fears are washed. Isn't that so true? That's so true. You're filled with anxiety. You're so afraid of whatever. And the Spirit of God, oh, I pray you know this. The Spirit of God floods your life. The Spirit of God fills you again. The presence of God overcomes you. And all of a sudden, truly, that's so well said, the fears wash away. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. Washed away. Hosanna. That's good. Of course, of course, they sing that. They sing that because the power and the presence of the Lord, it's he who does it. It's he who does it. The single greatest game changer. Question for you right now. We've got to seek the Holy Spirit. We've got to pursue him. Question, question. When's the last time you sincerely pursued the filling of the Holy Spirit again in your life? I'm not talking about right now going, yeah, yeah, Holy Spirit, he's important. When's the last time you did something about it? When's the last time you sought him, longed for him, prayed to him, invited him, repented before him, 
Ask so much for him to dwell your life. Hey, this summer, Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine. Do not be drunk with beer. For that is debauchery, the Bible says. But be filled with the Spirit. The ongoing filling and the desire to be filled by God's Spirit on a daily basis. And when you're filled with God's Spirit, what happens? Thanksgiving, Ephesians 5. Thanksgiving floods your life. Unity, submission fills your life. And, and, and encouragement fills your life. And you see the, the, the fruit of God's Spirit overwhelm you. Do not be drunk with wine or beer. Our prayer is as people are impacted by living the light, they would be renewed in mind, reinforced in faith, and resolved in will to live in Jesus Christ. If you'd like to hear this message again, or the rest of the messages from this series, you can find these free resources and more on our website at liveinthelight.ca. That's liveinthelight.ca. If you'd like to get a copy of the entire series, make sure you phone us at 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-225-4448. I'm Craig Turnbull, and on behalf of Robbie Simons, we invite you to join us again next time on Live in the Light.